Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome back to season four of Canine Hoopers World the podcast. Now this lovely lady has been on before and I've dragged her back in again because she has a lot of good information to say but also there's been a few cases um, at the beginning of the year so a few months ago when this episode comes out um, unfortunately there were a few cases where there were fatalities um, involving dogs and this is one of the things we are going to be discussing so I'm just going to put a little listener kind of discretion on this one um, if you feel that you are going to be affected um, talking about um, fatal bites and humans and animals losing their lives then this might not be the episode for you and if you don't want to listen to this week I totally understand and I still love you and hopefully I will get you next week but if you're ready buckle in grab a brew and let's get on to this Bethany Grace how are you? Hi carry on I'm very well I'm a bit snotty so that's the nasal voice um apologies to the listeners I just thought you were being fancy <laughs> I am also fancy with my lem sip um and currently no eyebrows <laughs> how times have changed I'm sat here in an hoodie drinking herbal tea and you're sat there <laughs> sipping a lem sip we are so rock and roll when we it's are recording. How the cool kids do it nowadays I've been told it is we are definitely the cool kids what was it I had the other day elder millennial I like oh. that term I'm an elder millennial I'm like yeah I'll take that that's fine I'm particularly well, as a millennial I'm kind of just on the edge and it annoys me but anyway so for people that don't know you, maybe didn't hear you previously, mm-hmm. go back and listen to that episode. It was good. But for those that don't know you, who are you? What do you do? I'm Bethany Grace, if you've said. Um, my main company is called Body Dog Behaviour. That's where I do most of my pet behaviour stuff. Um, I say pet, dog. I'm not not doing the cats. Um, <laughs> sorry, cat people. Um to be and, a dog podcast like why yeah. you what are you doing joking, it? joking joking <laughs> uh so yeah body dog behavior is my main my main business um before i started body dog behavior i worked at Bassey dogs home and i was there for i think around six years worked my way up to working in um the assessment and rehabilitation like leading a care team and assessing and rehabilitating dogs and i worked on the section where dogs will come in but uh with either bite histories or they've been a bit sassy on intake um that was like my main area I have always loved the more challenging cases right from the beginning like that's I I always took on the hardest project dogs um who mostly turned out to be bull breeds which has alongside my own dogs led me to my specialism which is bull breeds and aggressive behavior um, so I have uh, my own podcast, Bullbreed Podcast. I have a company, the Bullbreed Behaviorist, and I also started Bullbreed Club, which is an, an app for Bullbreed owners um, on all things Bullbreed and training related. Mm-hmm. Uh, and alongside that, I'm also an expert witness. So that's a fairly new. I have been training under the lovely Helen Howell for since 2021. Um, and I've done a few courses like the Cardiff University Expert Witness course um, and a few other things and have started taking on my own expert witness work, which is where dogs are seized generally um, after doing something. 
um, after an incident uh, and I go and assess the dog and write a report and go to court where necessary, um, giving my independent expert opinion on why the dog has bitten, if that's the case, um, and how we can prevent that from happening again. Mm-hmm. So that must be one of those jobs that's very rewarding, but also at times must be completely heartbreaking. So I am probably, it is rewarding um, when you when you win. <laughs> um, and it, the thing is, is it has to be, it's independent. So mm. you have to, you're, you're taking so many things into consideration public safety being the number one thing, um, the home that the dog might be going back into, whether the dog is suitable for that home, whether they are the right owners for that dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- ultimately it's in the hands of the the magistrates or the judge, whoever is who is on the case. I, I, I'm not, not that I'm not compassionate, but I'm also very logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably why I can do the jobs that I do yep. because I'm a, I'm a little bit hard. I don't, um, think hard, I don't think hard's necessarily the right word, but I totally understand, especially when you've been in rescue a long time um, and you've kind of seen the things you've seen and worked with the dogs you have, having that kind of almost analytical, logical side of your brain taking over preserves your heart because you need it to still be a little bit soft because if you got so emotionally involved into every single case you'd burn out instantly because you just wouldn't be able to do it I I mean I I still get emotionally invested completely but I'm but I am also rational and logical and I I have the test of would I want my child to meet this dog out and about with this person Mm-hmm. Um, and would I want my dog to be meeting this dog? And if they were, how would I want that dog to be managed? Mm-hmm. So whether that's that they have to stay on lead and muzzled, sometimes that's the case. Um, but yeah, it's not that I'm heart, not that I'm heartless or hard in uh, that I have no emotion about it. And I definitely have. I've had my heart broken thousands of times mm-hmm. over the years particularly working in rescue and taking on the cases that I did. Yeah. They, they weren't, um, they, there wasn't always a positive outcome working in rescue. Probably the majority of my dogs that I loved um, didn't necessarily make it out of, of that scenario, which absolutely did break my heart. But I, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at, at regulating my emotions in a professional sense, probably not so much in my personal life, but um yeah, it's it's not a job for the faint-hearted, mm. um, and it, it 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 is hard. It is hard work. It's um, a, a lot of experts do go through burnout, um, and a lot like similar as a lot of behaviorists. It's yeah. a it's a hard it's a hard old job, but it is. Yeah, I do love it. Uh, of course, of course. So I'm just gonna touch on um the case that's most recent, which is this week. Um, unfortunately, um, a four year old girl has lost her life um in the UK now not a lot of details have been kind of released but the thing that shocked me the most is that the dog was put to sleep straight away Mm -hmm. now to me and please correct me if I'm wrong 
but is that not kind of destroying evidence 100 percent. it is so frustrating um and it's one of the first things when I saw the case one of the first things I get on the phone to Helen and I'm like what is going on why are they doing this why is nobody stopping them or talking to them about it um and it is a it's a really hard it's a really hard one because it is like going to the scene of a crime and setting it on fire um like all that evidence is just gone and and for for us where we want to it's not that we want to save the dog's life it's not that we're going well yeah but this dog could be saved and it might go to rescue or we can rehab it that isn't what we're saying at the end of the day it has killed a little girl which is horrendous um and there's probably no coming back from that really no matter the circumstances Mm -hmm. um but it is we, what we want to know is how can we prevent this happening again? Mm-hmm. And without having that dog there to be able to assess it, to be able to say, um, to go into all the details, take the behavioral history that a behaviorist or an expert would take, mm-hmm. um, which we're not sure if that's what kind of lines of questioning and evidence is being gathered. Um, but a, an expert would have a different opinion and be able to assess that dog and see, is there anything going on with that dog that, it could have warned us or can warn us for other cases. It's, mm-hmm. It is literally just destroying evidence. Um, and it's so frustrating because there doesn't seem to be a consistent, um, there's no kind of governing body. There's no um, standard operating procedure for, for when this happens. I think that's hopefully likely to change because mm-hmm. this does seem to be happening. It's, it's becoming a more regular occurrence sadly so I think now that it's in the spotlight a little bit more things might change there's a lot of talk but it's whether that talk can turn to action and if that talk gets to the right people and has the right people behind it and Um, also I guess it's it's then kind of putting the procedures in through every single mm. police force that's going to be involved and it not just being say the Met and I'm picking on the Met just because I'm London so that's like my local one but do you know what I mean like if you've got I don't know say Devon Police are doing one thing and then Essex Police are doing another Mm -hmm. there needs to be a continuity doesn't there so there is to my knowledge there's the working dog group which is Mm -hmm. kind of cross county um but often you're faced with the police policing the police um so it it takes sometimes external um factors to shift things a little bit Mm. um but there are some really good people working behind the scenes trying to get stuff changed yeah um things like having like jim crosby i know has um spoken to the police a lot of times and yeah has has lots of wisdom to share and hopefully that knowledge will be taken on board because it, it in all other elements of policing and investigation mm-hmm. this would be considered completely ludicrous yeah but for some reason and I understand if for example the dog was a real danger to the safety of those around it at the scene of the crime and if mm-hmm. it was, there was no other option then that's kind of understandable. However, if a dog is able to be taken away from the scene of the crime and then taken to a vet's and have this done, then that shows that there's probably, it probably didn't need to happen straight away. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's frustrating, but hopefully there's good people working behind the scenes trying to get things changed. So then the other case that's been recent, which I think has kind of affected a lot of pet professionals in general is um, the awful thing that's happened. Not a million miles from me, which was no. the dog walker that died in Catrum. Now, again, what's been reported is very sketchy. Straight away, people on social media were making assumptions of the breeds of dog that were mm-hmm. going to be involved and we'll talk about breed in a minute. But with that case, from what I know, as at the time of recording this, the information that's come out is that there's been a coroner's inquest. Um, the lady has been named. Um, she died from wounds inflicted by a dog to her jugular. And we know that there were eight dogs involved. Now, one of the things that is baffling me is they're releasing some of the breeds but not all so does that mean that they were mixed breeds involved but also there's a lot of kind of whispers and rumors within the local kind of people in the know that's obviously not in the press so I'm mindful that I don't want to talk about stuff that hasn't been reported because it is hearsay and obviously everyone had an opinion about this um what are your kind of thoughts on it um I think the dogs, the breeds that were named were actually, um, because I used to work quite often in Caterham, I'm a member of the Facebook groups around there. So I saw one of the, I saw a Facebook post about it where the owners were actually commenting, saying they have this, they have my breed, insert breed here, they have my insert breed here. So I think that's where the knowledge of the actual breeds came from, is with the owners wondering where their dogs were. Um... So that's where I think those came from. Yeah. Um, there was lots of speculation about what other breeds might be involved. And I think it gets used by kind of both sides of the, um, it gets used that the fact that they weren't bully, bully breeds gets yeah. used by bully breed ad- advocates to be like, see, <laughs> other breeds do it as well um yeah right I know it's bad isn't it it's like yay it wasn't a bull breed I know and and that yeah I don't I don't quite know I haven't really I mean I think I think for me potentially it was preventable and the whole thing with the eight dogs it's still not clear whether the dog walker Mm. had six dogs which is the insured amount or whether she was kind of over her quota with dogs and I mean, one of the things that we've kind of discussed, there's um a little local group of trainers and walkers and stuff. One of the things that was suggested that kind of, I was like, that would make sense, is to have a weight limit added to what dogs you can walk. Because obviously one of the dogs involved was a giant hefty breed. Now, for me, as someone that used to walk dogs, I would not walk a giant breed with then five other dogs because I apart from anything I'm not heavy enough (laughs) let alone the strength of it I remember um I used to walk a uh Rottweiler St Bernard mix um cracking mix really cool I've met a few of them it's actually a mix I I like um Ridgeback and I used to walk them with one of my chihuahuas now I also used to walk a boxer but I wouldn't have put the boxer in with the two giants because 
it would have just have been too much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, do you think that, you know, from this awful tragedy, maybe this could be the push we need to get a bit more kind of regulation to dog walking or is it still just going to be unfortunately people set up and go oh yeah I love dogs I want to walk dogs and then yeah do you know what? it's such a hard one because I think naturally as humans what we want to do is we want to solve every problem and we want to be like right this thing's happened we need to put this in place and this in place to stop mm -hmm. it from happening again the truth is it's statistically like dog walkers have been walking dogs responsibly and irresponsibly for decades yep um, and we have not had anything like this. Yeah. It could have just been a freak accident that, and, and we don't know the full extent of things. We don't know if she fell over while dogs were having a row and it just, like, we do not know what happened. Yeah. Um, but I think it's within, within our human nature to go, right, how do we stop it from happening again? And, and this knee-jerk reaction that does sometimes get us into trouble. Obviously, there should be there should be massive levels of responsibility when walking other people's dogs or we're walking your own dogs um i think putting a weight limit on things would, it would a lot of what we do affects the wrong people yeah because people that aren't going to be licensed and get they're going to do what they want to do anyway yeah um and if you have a, somebody who had a mastiff cross a collie a chihuahua and a staffy I, would I be penalised because of that, walking all of my dogs together? Would I then have people being cross at me for walking my chihuahua with my master cross? Um, I think it, lessons do need to be learned potentially about, um, more about understanding what dogs are capable of and what is the reality of dogs when they're all together. Things can turn into a kerfuffle um much quicker than we anticipate yeah and accidents do happen so I think probably just we know the breeds that were involved and we know that there were some tiny breeds involved mm -hmm. um we don't know the the level of involvement but I think just understanding the dogs are animals and or can there's social facilitation in things as well and when when something starts, arousal levels are, are a huge influencer as well. So Because let's face it, those small breeds that were at the scene of the incident, I think that's the correct way to word it, mm. I'm going to suggest probably weren't helping in keeping things calm. <laughs> because that's not the nature of that type of dog. They're a vocal breed. So it's like, oh, it's so frustrating, isn't it? But I think... Obviously, you know, condolences go out to the family and stuff, but also I really feel for the owners because no one sends their dog out with a dog walker expecting them to be seized by the police because such a terrible instance happened. What What's the kind of, what potentially is going to be happening with those dogs now? Because obviously they're in police kennels, but there's all sorts of kind of whispers and things going around of they could be in kennels for a couple of weeks or they could be in kennels for a year plus. I don't know the specifics. I do know that, or it's been reported that no charges are being made, mm -hmm. which uh, unless they consider the dogs to be dangerous whilst they've been in kennels um, would mean, I guess, that the dogs would be released. Um, 
I'm not sure if that's if that's the case with all of the dogs or but it's been reported that no charges have been made. Um, the thing the thing when dogs are seized, they can it can be weeks, it can be years. Um, there have been some dogs that I've assisted Helen assessing that have been in kennels for I think the some of them that we're assessing in a couple of weeks have been in kennels for four years, literally grown up within kennels. Um, that breaks yeah. my heart. Why? Why so long? Because it can take a while. There's there's no there's no limit on the amount of time that dogs can be seized for without charge when it's dogs. Um, because they're kind of they're seen as property. So there's no limit on how long they can keep somebody's property for before they charge. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case with every single um type of property, but with dogs that seems to be the case. Um, but that's crazy because we know they're sentient beings. <laughs> yeah, we do. But technically, but, but you in, wouldn't take someone's kid sense. and go, "I'm keeping your child indefinitely because they no. might have done something." Yeah. Um, in a legal sense, I mean, they do have things like the interim exemption scheme. Um, and um, oh, can't read the the words gone from that's there. okay don't worry what um, what was that first thing you just said the interim, interim exemption scheme is when if if so if a dog sees um as pit type they can give it an interim exemption scheme so that they kind of are allowed to keep the dog um but keep it muzzled and on need and stuff okay um, or there's a contingent destruction order i don't know, I can't, honestly i'm a bit tired but okay. they they like can basically so some that. dogs are allowed to stay at home while they wait, um, they don't always have to be seized. For breed specific legislation, they do have to be seized. The seizure is part of the exemption. Oh. Um, so there's no, like a, a, a pit type, for example, couldn't be assessed at home. They have to be seized um, for at least, like there's no time limit on that. And so they could be seized. And like kennels. They don't like kennels, no. Four breeds don't, don't like kennels. Why would being <laughs> them? Oh, it's it the the time of things is one of the biggest things. But that's also so there's been a massive backlog after COVID mm. um in the court system because things have to go through court. Of course. If things are um like if cases sometimes we've been to court and they don't have time to hear the case, so it gets adjourned and rescheduled for months later so you can have you can have adjournments and you can have appeals that then take months and months and months so sometimes and and part of it the way that it's made is if you plead guilty you get your dog back quicker um wow. which is um often the case but if you're pleading non not guilty then things take a lot longer as well um, and it depends whether you're going through civil or criminal. Um, but yeah, it's um, I'm fairly new to this world. So probably having someone like Helen Howell on the podcast. Would I'm be... trying to get her on. Give her yeah. a nudge, please, because I have. I'll a... give her a nudge. Oh, no, <laughs> she'll, she'll explain all of this a lot better than I will. She was no, that's amazing. Um, so yeah. let's let's lift it up a little. I said lift it up. We, I just feel like this is a bit of a sad podcast so far. We are going to finish on some happy stuff. But <laughs> the other thing that's kind of at the forefront that was out a week ago, so we're recording very beginning of February. So end of January, there was a BBC panorama. If you haven't seen it, um, 
I feel that it was a very good program. I think that they produced it very well. The section at the end where they spoke to the mother of the child that had been mauled to death was horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, And that poor mother and that poor child, again, another child losing their life. Like, how do we stop this shit? (laughs) I think we need to educate more. I just feel like people are kind of not letting dogs be dogs at the moment and people are expecting way too much of dogs. Um, yes and yes. Um, and yes to education also. Uh, the, the thing is that this is, there have been, there's loads of research going into this at the minute um, because there has been a massive rise and then mm. things like the app dog meetings which um i went to the first one the second one will be in march which is all about the dog bite fate the fatalities and the research that's going into that and how like all the universities and what what they're planning on and and speaking to professionals about how they feel Mm -hmm. um because there's all there's all sorts of things there's like licensing that has been brought up um there's people are talking about banning more breeds and there's just um it... so from an outside looking in mm. banning breeds didn't work it hasn't mm. worked because it hasn't reduced numbers and if anything all it's done is made breeds that were potentially of type it just it sent the breeders underground and it meant that they they weren't breeding for you know health and temperament and maybe the dogs weren't getting the care they needed as well because it was this secret thing that you had and it became this big status symbol now i'm i'm assuming excels are on the list of people shouting let's ban yeah. them yeah corsos as well uh, i haven't seen so much about corsos i think because they haven't been in the news quite as much mm-hmm. um but XL bullies are like the biggest, uh, well, they are becoming the number one breed involved in dog bite related fatalities. So people have been calling for that. Why? <laughs> Why is my question? Do you know what I mean? Why is your question? Yeah. The thing is, bull breeds, I'm, I'm going to make a big sweeping statement here. Mm. In general, Bull breeds aren't people aggressive. Mm. However, so. (laughs) And I know that's a very big sweeping statement. No, yeah. My opinion, but my my work, my understanding, my knowledge, my experience is bull breeds aren't always great with other animals Mm -hmm. because, you know, we kind of have to be realistic about what they were bred for originally, which was Mm -hmm. different up other animals. Um, They're generally not people aggressive but what were corsos and boabels bred for now i actually didn't know this until i'm going to give a shout out to kim brophy because the legs course i've just done was epic and any dog trainers that are listening if you want to do a dog training course this year kim brophy's legs course was amazing mm-hmm. um I did not realise that corsos were originally bred to hunt people. So that's what it is is 
bred into so to make an XL bully you're generally mixing a type dog with American Bulldog and then to make them bigger you add in Corso or Borbel that's often the, the heady mix that goes into making XL bullies so um, sorry to jump in but that means genetically at the genetic level you are taking breeds that have been bred to I'm using the word duff up because I'm trying to make this a little bit kind of nicer. But breeds that have been bred to duff up animals, and now you're taking breeds that have been bred to duff up peoples, and you're putting that together. So now you're basically just breeding something that's going to want to. I'm right. I'm going to swear first proper swear of podcast. You're breeding something that's going to want to fuck shit up. I think you're, we're making something that has very specific needs in order to not buff shit up. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but it's it's not just about breed. There are so many different yes. factors, but, but, but breed is something that's important to talk about. And I think yeah. it, although it can be controversial and it can upset people, but I think most, most kind of responsible dog owners will want to understand what goes into their dogs and how to make make them happy and and fulfilled and um I think the XL bully a lot of the XL bullies that I've met have been a lot more wary than your average bull breed so it's they've got that kind of massive wariness the problem with XL bullies though and the problem with banning XL bullies is because there is such a huge variation in what makes an XL bully it's not even a a, a breed that is well, it's a type recognized. It? yeah so how would you how on earth would you get into the breed ident identification it's already hard enough with American Pitbull Terrier like looking at the yeah. pit type that is already caused that that's just it doesn't work banning breeds doesn't work and if you banned an XL bully they would just start breeding band dogs and corsos and bigger and bigger and bigger and mixing different how would you be able to tell an XL bully from you could just say well it's an American bulldog cross and American bulldogs aren't banned and so it just because we know that um banning breeds just does not work mm. it doesn't work breed identification is hard enough with an actual breed let alone something that's just been kind of created um the other the other thing I noticed with the Panorama program is that unfortunately, XL bullies seem to go along with let's cut their ears off, mm. which is illegal in the yeah. UK. It's been legal yeah. for forever. Um, yeah. It's also illegal in most of Europe. Yeah. So this whole, oh, well, it's imported. It's not really, is it? I mean, when they showed the images of that 10 week old puppy mm. that didn't have ears, my heart just shut like it's a baby mm. the problem again with that is enforcement like the problem with a lot of the things that could help is who's enforcing it mm -hmm. who's making sure that this is actually adhered to it's not even like have you ever heard of somebody being like enforcement being done of microchipping like, mm. it just doesn't happen no. that's that's a legal requirement have you ever heard of someone like the enforcement behind not having a dog's tag on it? Like those are no. easy things <laughs> and they're legal requirements, but there's just, there's no enforcement. The, the, to be fair to them, the police are incredibly stretched. Yeah. There are 
most most forces don't have their own DLO. No. The dog wardens, it's not really their remit. We don't even have a dog warden in this area. Yeah. So have you ever found a lost dog and tried to get hold of a dog warden? It's bloody impossible. Mm. So yeah. like the it's who's enforcing all of these things that are actually going to make a difference and make things better. Who's funding it? Who's regulating it? Who's enforcing it? And that's where the problem comes, is that there's nothing at the top to really lots. So dog licensing, for example, uh, it's it's a good idea, but it, it has to go beyond just a license that you pay for. It can't yeah. just be another property tax. Yeah. There needs to be a level of education involved. Yes. Um, potentially like a waiting system in the same way that you have a driver's license and you can have a HGV if you've done this test and you can drive a different lorry if you have this test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to do a separate license if you want to have a bike and if you yeah. want to have a trailer. But, yeah. Yeah, but who who's in, who's funding this education and who's who's going to be involved in it? Then you look at kind of the whole positive and balanced divide because that would come into it. Why do the positive people get to be the ones educating for the? Um, because the, we're, the, we're why we're the people not make ticking time bombs? <laughs> that's what I'm saying yes, um, but and I'm allowed to say that because it's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be the kind of you, you. We would just there are so many different layers to what's actually going to make a difference, and it takes people at the top actually wanting to shift these gears. There needs to be funding that goes into it and there needs to be funding that goes into the enforcement side of things also. I mean, one of the things I'm curious about is why is it that breeds like XLs, Corsos, Pity Types, I, I don't understand why cutting their ears off is seen as what fashionable because that's got to be what it is it's got to be a fashion thing because there's no medical reason for it and anyone that says there is they're lying they're talking utter bollocks and it's not a thing um but you kind of go well where's the problem you know what why is this happening because is it the type of people that are breeding the dogs and selling them? Is it the type of people that are... And again, then you end up with, like, good, honest owners that want to do the best by their dog, but just like a fathead, mm-hmm. that are then getting tarred in the same brushes, you know, like on that Panorama video, the dog that mauled the child, there was video evidence of the guy stood outside the shop repeatedly punching the dog in the head. Mm. That That's not training, dude. You're just abusing it. Yeah. Like... What, and then he's also come out of prison to... and had, had a litter two months later that he's selling. And, and no, who's enforcing that? Like, he's had he's banned from keeping animals. Why is that happening? Um, That's horrendous. So there's, there's just so much. There's, I know that this is going to be a heavy podcast for people. And it does kind of, there. it's something that it's almost like we all need to get it off our chests. Like, collectively, we need to talk about it because you can't just keep it in. Yeah. Even though it does feel slightly hopeless a lot of the time. Mm. I think the problem with crop, cropping is, is so much of it is down to Instagram um, and social media because yep. it's just, it, it, it is a fashion statement. People, there's a level, there must be a level of cognitive dissonance involved. Um, 
and I think it's where dogs are viewed as status symbols mm -hmm. and as a, an addition, an accessory, because that and those are the same people that are doing the whole breeding for just it, the the whole thing is like a multi-level marketing scheme. I find it baffling. It is the only breed that I feel like I've ever seen, like the bully side of things, where it is breeders selling to breeders selling to breeders selling to breeders like they have a special price for a pet home but like that's not the norm that you have a pet home price which is like you have to promise not to breed from this dog and then they have the ref the normal price because the majority of the dogs that are bred are going to other breeders and they are going to they are often going to these massive kennels outdoors where the dogs don't get walked they're then passed from pillar to post when they're no longer of use to the person. It's honestly insane. Yeah, and I the other thing the other thing that was highlighted in that um in the panorama was that breeding loophole because the couple that were banned from breeding and having breeding facilities then all of a sudden had all these stud dogs mm -hmm. and were still doing AI. So let's just cover this a minute. These AI clinics, mm. it is illegal to take blood from an animal unless you are a veterinary surgeon or a veterinary nurse under veterinary instruction. So anyone else that is taking blood out of a dog is doing so illegally. Mm -hmm. But yet we're, we're, we're wanking off dogs, shoving sperm into them, taking blood off of them, and then... I'm assuming they're going to vets for the cesarean because a lot of these dogs aren't able to yeah. give birth naturally because their heads are too big. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, when Mother Nature is saying we can't do this naturally, are we not feeling like maybe we just shouldn't be doing it? <laughs> yeah, but what if someone offered you 100 grand <laughs> to bypass Mother Nature? And this is the problem. And, like, I mean... The bulldogs that were shown, the the British bulldogs, that oh yeah, look at the rope on their neck. No, oh, why? What even was that? Like, there's so I've I mean, I have gone as the behaviourist to multiple bully link ups. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a lot of hate for that. I do have really actually... no, just explain what uh, okay because I've been to a bizwiz by accident once because it happened in the woods and it was terrifying. There were just whistlers and whistles and it was a lot. <laughs> it's like bizwiz, but with bullies and um. <laughs> uh, so my first gone... question is: Is there a thorough health and safety risk assessment done before this happens? No, is the is the honest answer. Um, <laughs> there. There are surprisingly few issues, I must say. Some of them are run okay. Like, some of them are run quite well. There's one local to me that I would continue to go to. There are others that I have been to that I just wouldn't go to again. Um, I've gone and I've taken my spring pole with me because I want to get people chatting to me. And I also feel like it, 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 there, I'm so sick of an us versus them. Mm -hmm. There has to be some, like, bridging. So I'm there to bridge because I'm like, if I don't go, someone else might go. And who knows what kind of trainer that could be. 
Um, it's it's definitely out of my comfort zone. The majority of the dogs are cropped. There are fertility clinic, clinic tents there. Like it's it's it, you, you walk in and the the smell of marijuana just whacks you around the back. <laughs> I mean, it's all sounding legit and above board. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but I have some really good conversations actually when I go and some of the like. I, I don't want to tar all bully owners with the with the same brush because some of them are absolutely lovely. Some of them are coming to me and they genuinely want the best for their dog. And I've had, had clients come out of them where people have wanted me, my help training. Um, I've spoken to some of the breeders who have want, who have then um, invested in my services for their puppies in the new homes. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel I had a lot of flack for going to these and, and talking about them because people don't agree with what's happening at so, them there i'm gonna sidebar we'll go on a little yeah. side quest quickly yeah this is one thing i'm assuming that a lot of the people that were critical i'm making an assumption here people that were critical of you attending the bully meets and reaching out to help these people were in the positive reinforcement camp 100 percent of them yes right this is a public safety announcement <laughs> It's the public service announcement, should I say? Yeah. So, public service announcement. Um, stop being judgy twats. <laughs> That's my PSA for this podcast because do you know what? There are some positive trainers that are really trying to help owners that may not be in the same circles we would be into. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if the only excels they are seeing, I know I'm picking on the excels this episode, but if the only excels they're seeing are cropped, they are not going to know any different because that's what they think they look like. As an elder millennial, I can remember the first time I saw a Doberman with a tail. Mm-hmm. It looked really freaking weird. Yeah. Now, if I saw a Doberman without a tail, I think my heart would break. Do you know what I mean? Boxers with tails. Boxers and Dobermans didn't come with tails in the 80s. Now, they yeah. have tails because, you know, they're cool and they look goofy and we love them. Yeah. I know Dobies are still cropped, unfortunately, and they shouldn't be. Not to the extreme that the poor ball breeds are. But we need to stop this judgy lashing out in camp fighting when we're trying to do better and we're trying to educate because if we're fighting with each other we ain't educating the people that don't know yeah that was my side quest (laughs) i'm completely with you on that i don't get into any rows i think i think there's been one row i got into on social media and i feel like it's justified um but other than that (laughs) i do not argue with anybody on social media and i also don't argue with people in real life really either um and I am all about finding my own way, talking to the actual people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have friends who are balanced trainers. Like I have friends who are balanced trainers. You said that publicly. I said that publicly. God. Um, that I will have debates with. Like I'll talk with them about our differences and mm-hmm. we will call each other. And and I, I have some really good friends that are balanced trainers. And some of them are really good trainers. Mm. Um, we have different we have different viewpoints on a few things mm-hmm. um but I have I have balanced trainer friends who absolutely love dogs 
absolutely love training and we will have we will spend hours on the phone talking about dog training and dog behavior and talking through cases and 99 percent of the things we agree on and there will be there, there's a few like a, a percentage that we don't mm-hmm. but I always try and find the things that I agree on with people because that is the best place to start conversation yeah you don't start a conversation with well you're an abuser you're clearly terrible you must hate dogs because that is not how you make change you affect change through being personable having conversations with people mm-hmm. and not pa- making people feel bad and defensive because mm-hmm. the same way that we feel when people call us cookie pushers and um I know lots of people are kind of owning that term now I, but- I'm one of those I'm like yep that's cool if it but, involves cookies but- I'm there <laughs> All that kind of come at us saying, yes, but you would rather a dog be put to sleep than have wear an e-collar. Like, we know that that's not true. Like, there is, why does that have to be the, there's not one versus the other. It's right. not an ideal situation. But that it makes us feel, like, defensive when people come at us with that. So I, and so this is where I was coming at when I went to the bully link-ups, mm-hmm. is I went with a, a non-judgmental attitude. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help, like, I'm helping you in the same way that if I went to a cockapoo meetup, I would talk to the cockapoo people. Mm-hmm. I would probably be far more grumpy at a cockapoo meetup than I would be <laughs> at a bully link-up. Um, and I realised I didn't actually explain what a bully link-up is. It's basically where hundreds of bully owners link up. <laughs> and is this, and like, is it, like, all the bull breeds? Like, are you going to see the more kind of, I want to say... Hum- humble bull breeds like your Stafford Shires and your Bull Terriers and your or Very is it rarely. Bulldogs, Frenchies, XLs and oh, the I'm going to use the word abomination because I'm sorry it breaks my heart freaking pocket bullies what the actual f- are they? Do you know pocket bullies initially were apparently Patterdale cross pitbull that's where they started. Cool, but now they look like weird toads. Now they look like, well, yeah, so those are what's termed the exotic bullies mm-hmm. or micro bullies. The pocket no. bullies are slightly different. I know in the panorama they were they were called pocket bullies, but um, the micro like There was the dog that's basically its front legs were back to front. Westy, yeah. Why was its legs the wrong way? So east to west. So I think this is where education comes in because... And I bang on about this a lot, even with clients, that just because something is common within a breed does not make it normal. So like, yes, like luxating patellas and Jack Russell's it's common. It's not normal. Hip dysplasia and Labrador's common. Not. Oh, I thought you were going to say German Shepherd, but yeah. German Shepherd's <laughs> common, not normal. Do you know what I mean? So when people are like, oh, yeah, but that's just how Jack Russell's walk. And I'm like, no, that's how Jack Russell's with luxating patellas walk. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, um, that's, that little skip is not meant to be a thing. No. No. So that's where, that's where, that's, that's where things like the East or West feet come in, in, in the bully breeds, because they, they are often quite bow-legged. Um, but I'm seeing bull, like bulldogs even, who, uh, whose feet are bleeding where they're dragging them on the floor. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, and you know, when you can hear their nails, I was, um, my, my client probably wouldn't mind me saying this. I, I was voice noting with a client the other day talking about their bulldog. And in while he's voice noting, I can hear his bulldog's feet dragging on the floor. And I'm like, mate, you have to get that sorted out because that's not normal. Um, 
and, and so that's where often I think pain I think pain is a massive thing with our with these bully breeds as well and that's why we're seeing some issues because of the the breeding and the genetic deformities and so those must come with some level of discomfort as well but also again going back to that genetic side mm. they've been bred that when they're when they're fucking shit up if they get injured they don't show they're injured they're all yeah. right so dogs that are in a huge amount of pain are so stoic mm. we don't understand now anyone that is unfortunately loved to live with chronic pain you know my my heart goes out to you. I'm bad enough when I have a migraine for a few days you know if I you know, my shoulder's a bit achy this time of year because it's a bit cold. But if I had genuine, genuine chronic pain continuously, mm. I'd probably be a little bit more grumpy than I am. That's um, that's hard to imagine, but... <laughs> I do but grumpy yeah. sometimes. <laughs> no. But I mean, like... Yeah, no, exactly. Again, so you've got... So you've you've gone in Cistream, you've got all these different bull breeds, mm. um, teeny tiny frog-looking things, um, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, if you just Google micro bully or exotic bully, you, yeah. you'll see what I mean. They're just, they're fugly. I'm sorry. And I like a fat head, but them things are just fugly. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, um, it's, I, I don't understand it. And I don't understand why we're breeding for deformity because so basically, so pocket bullies are slightly different slightly bigger or you get the um american bully which so the xl bully is like big one uh-huh. <laughs> although they are now breeding xxl bullies um or really? some things that are termed xl pits so they're, they're like more massively so then there's the xl pits which are basically massive pits yeah. um who don't conform to the measurements or proportions often but they are athletic like the, you get the athletic side of the bully american bullies mm-hmm. um, and then you get the more kind of bulldoggy tried bullies yeah so there, there are different lines obviously and there are different breeders and there's a lot of inbreeding also within um bully good old bully. line breeding line breeding yes um because there are some people who are, tr- I think, an effort to try and take things seriously, but don't actually understand how scientific you have to be as a breeder to actually understand what you're talking about in terms like COIs and line breeding and outcrossing, like what it actually all means mm. and how it actually modifies genetics and, and what it does. So there's a lot of inbreeding because there are some big lines, big names within XL bullies that cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. um and then if and then they're kind of line breeding within this it it all gets a bit complicated and also because it seems to be as well they're all in pastel my little pony colors there's a lot of merles yeah so (laughs) like i remember when the fashion was you know dogs that were black and tan or dark brown and now it's like everything is pastel and and fawn and champagne and blue and peach and like yeah I, I do find it slightly laughable that you know it's seen as being really I'm gonna stereotype now but it's really manly to have this pastel my little pony fat head thing with its ears chopped off like I don't understand how that's showing off your manliness 
Yeah, so Merle, became, Merle is a big thing. Where um, has Merle come from? I don't, I'm I'm, I'm not... pretty sure my knowledge of bull breed types, Merle isn't in there anywhere. No. Um, I mean, did someone throw like a random collie in or did like we get a shell involved? Or... I mean, you do get like Merle Great Danes and stuff as well. So I don't, I don't know. You get Merle Chihuahuas, but. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Let's just stop reading those people. You do get kind of a Merle Alapaha as well. Um, the Alapaha Blue Blood Bulldogs. Um, I'm they... glad you said that, not me, because I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's um, not a common thing you see in the wild very often in the wilds of Surrey. I'm just uh, my um my bull breed club. Here he is. He's he's an Alapaha. Okay, <laughs> but uh, they are quite. They're quite guardy. Um, I think some of my clients have got really lucky, um, but some of them are really quite worky, guardy, um, intense dogs. They're not for the faint-hearted, I don't think at all. Um, but yeah, I don't know where the moles come from, but I think, yeah, like like we're kind of hinting at, when you're breeding for colour and looks and chopped off ears, you're not breeding for temperament or health. Mm. Um, there are so few XL bullies that are health tested, hip tested, elbow dysplasia tested, like all of the things that need to be done. There are so few of them. There are a few, and there are a few good XL bully breeders. And I'm just there gonna are. stop and take a little put to the to the responsible owners and the responsible breeders. We love you, we appreciate you, keep being amazing and thank you. Well, yeah, and, and it's we're not. We're not coming out. I, I love XL bullies. I love them. I'm not going to lie. I, Yeah, they're yeah, called I, the big fatted things. Yeah, I, I absolutely love them. And that's that's why I talk about them in this way is because I want them to, I want them to not go extinct. <laughs> I want them to do well. I don't want them to be a genetic freaks that just are in pain and uh, mm. are, are acting out and... and use the status symbols I don't want that for them because I really love them um and I don't want I I think it's really hard I was speaking to a, a breeder the other day he called me because I because I'm friendly <laughs> I'm friendly with everybody um and I don't I don't want to alienate anybody from yeah. that they can reach out and talk to me um and so I'm friends with quite a few of the the bully breeders because like I said if change has to happen in order for change to happen yeah if someone's going to do it I'm going to do it I'm going to be there I'm going to talk to them I'm yep. going to be honest give my opinion and help them when they need it and then I am the one that they refer to yeah get referrals from all these bully, bully breeders when they're like dogs they've bred are struggling um so if I can affect change from the inside out that's yes. where I think it's going to happen you yep. don't but bashing people you you get in there you get stuck in help them out um educate from the inside um but he was upset because everybody in the park picks up their dogs and runs from him when he enters with his big old bullies. I mean, I'm <laughs> just going to say, I wish people would do that when I came to the park with dogs. It would just <laughs> be a lot easier. I'm just going to say. there are worse things that can happen. <laughs> Next time you speak to him, please tell him that as a German Shepherd owner, I said, I wish people would do that. And maybe <laughs> he should be careful what he's wishing for. Because... I know. And, and um, he's a big skinhead scouse bloke. Really nice guy, massive XL bullies, like massive. Um, 
and he 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 gets upset because people lots of small dogs don't like his dogs either mm-hmm. um i think because we've we've bred these bullies to to look intimidating and they look intimidating to dogs as well their dog bod- their body language i think is changed by the way that they look well the thing is as well and i mean even cropping aside because cropping mm. does not help dogs communicate at no. all because they use their ears a lot yeah, yeah. but in general, bull breeds, the way they're put together, the way they stand naturally, yeah. even the way you see them stacked showing, mm. they look like, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can't help that. That's just what they yeah, look they like. They can't help it's it. And with resting bitch face, they can't help it. So, and that's that's kind of what I said to him, is that a lot of the dogs will be frightened by them because they can be quite loomy and big and... So for little dogs who see them as absolute giants, mm. the world is massive. They are massive, and they want to tell them, "Mate, I'm, I'm not scared of you." <laughs> and oh, I know what my chihuahuas would be saying. I'm pretty sure yours would be doing the same. I know I'm little, but I'm scarier than you. And fuck off. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and because that works for them, that's how they manage to get through life often without okay. too many things. Is because they tell everybody, "I might be little, but I'm mighty." Um, so I think, and he was worried that then his dogs are going to retaliate one day and, and the damage that they can do is, is far greater. Yes. Um, so I think the responsibility is a large breed dog owner, whether that's an XL bully or a Rotty or a German Shepherd is quite great. Yeah. Um, yes. Quickly. All bull breeds do not have locking jaws. It's not a fucking thing. It's not. They do have powerful jaws, but no more powerful than a lot of dogs. And to be honest, my little Jack Russell mix was very good at holding on to toys and going up. Yeah. And he, you lifted the toy up, he came up in. We used to joke that was the way to dry him off after a bath because mm. now no one ever said to me, oh, that, that terrier's got locking jaw. No, he's just yeah. really strong, like it's holding shit. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no different. But, there's no mechanism. Also, do you know what? I have a lot of respect for that person for understanding what their dog is capable of because denial is also a very big part of this, isn't it? Because, oh, no, they're a puppet. They're great. Wait, Dodge is an absolute sweetheart, but if you get on his shit list, he could cause injury. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. So this is where we come into the realms of advocacy and how sometimes by trying to advocate we can actually make the problem worse mm-hmm. by being in denial um by terming staffies as nanny dogs like mm-hmm. um i think or being like staffies would like they'd never hurt a fly my like my dog's absolutely wonderful with other dogs so staffies are perfect with other dogs i think we have to know our breeds and it's we wouldn't go no collies never want to hurt anything how could you possibly say that my collie would want to chase traffic like they are placid dogs they are calm they are love like they are cuddly little creatures like you I just just nearly snorted I'm just gonna say (laughs) because that was a great example you know that's like saying oh sight hounds aren't gonna chase after something especially if a small rabbit suddenly appears at the end of a field the problem is us humans. It's not the dogs. Mm. It's not the fact that dogs uh, that that some bull breeds can be dog aggressive. That's that's not the issue. It's the people 
not recognizing that that's potentially an issue and working their lives around it, um, training what they can train and just being responsible and understanding of the breeds that they have and how they can fulfill the needs Mm -hmm. of the dogs that they have, which neatly leads me on to the most wonderful sport in the world, GRC. That, I mean, I'm giving you props for that segue because that was stunning. I am just going to side quest quickly and I'm sorry because I feel like I'm now destroying the perfect segue. You you have. I just need to say, again, when you next speak to this, this lovely person that's responsible, could you please tell him that as a, as a Chihuahua owner, I often pick my dogs up and walk away because my dogs are assholes. Yeah. And it's not because I think his dog's an asshole. It's because I know my dogs are. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, I, I did I did say that to him as well, is if they are picking their dog up because they know that their dog might have a go at yours and they're worried about the, the consequences of that, what else do you want them to do? Like, you can't expect people to just, you don't want their dogs just running up to you. Um, I think it can probably, if you take it personally. Um, oh, it's hard. I remember, you know, walking down the road with Munch and people would cross the road and I'd be like, um, she's the friendly one. Like, yeah. <laughs> this this is the one that you can come and say hi to. And actually was a very good stooge dog and was very tolerant mm-hmm. of dogs and had lots of doggy friends. But very few people, wa- it was only other bull breed people that wanted to come say hey to her. Whereas yeah. the Chihuahuas, fucking hell, every time Dick and Harry wants to say hello, can you not? <laughs> See, I like to walk in the deep depths of the countryside where nobody can find me. See, we don't have um, any deep depths of countryside where I am, unfortunately. And and I think that that is one of the problems also is dogs in massive built-up environments. Um, like and unfortunately... They dogs that need to run off lead. There are a lot of bull breeds in yeah. towny built up environments yeah and and so many of them are fantastic at um being able to fit into those environments i think that's something that's wonderful about a lot of bull breezes that they are versatile um and they can fit into lots of different environments as long as you're fulfilling them in, in other areas as well um but so what would be the other areas we could fulfill them in, Bethany? You know what? Something like uh, GRC, which stands for Gameness, Relationship and Control. Um, it's a fairly new dog sport in the UK, although it's not. It's been kind of hard fought by a couple of fantastic trainers. Um, I It's new to me and my knowledge yeah. pool, so... Yeah. Let, and honestly, when, because we met up for coffee a little while ago and you were kind of giving me the basics, I was literally like, I wish I'd heard about this 12 years ago when we had Munch as a baby because she would have yeah. freaking rocked at this. Yeah. So, so I've also had a lot of flack for um, GRC and posting videos of GRC. And I'll, I'll give you two guesses as to, <laughs> I'll give you one guess as to how, what kind of people are the ones that don't like I'm going to say positive reinforcement trainers for 50, please, Bethany. <laughs> yes, correct. Ding, 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 ding. We have a so, winner. I do under... So I'll explain what GRC is. And it's um it's founded by a lovely trainer called J-Jack, mm-hmm. who is not 100% positive, And that's why a lot of people, I think, don't like the sport. Okay. Um, although he is mostly like doesn't use any tools there are no tools allowed in grc and you just you train it how you want you just compete and there's no tools allowed or anything but anyway grc 
game miss relationship control he found he created the sport based on our old school pitbull games so he was raised i have an episode talking with him on um my bull breed podcast send me the link to your podcast and i'll put it in the link for this podcast and then people can go and listen to it lovely um just love to share because sharing is caring that'll be a more um a more succinct way to do it rather than me going through the whole thing is if people are interested they can go and have a listen to me talking to the founder but he his dad used to fight pit bulls okay um and he grew up around dog fights and had his own pit bulls I, I don't he wasn't involved in it but um the games that they used to play with the dogs and the conditioning that they used to do with the dogs mm-hmm. um the dogs absolutely loved it mm-hmm. so he created this sport with bully breeds in mind really because there's nothing for them there's there's bite sports like PSA and um and Mondio and Schutzend and all of that stuff mm-hmm. IGP but there's nothing like bull breed specific like you have agility for collies and the thing is with a lot of the bite sports they are shepherd yes orientated because originally a lot of them were based on testing shepherds for their workability as working dogs so no they're not designed for bullbreeds because they were designed for the herdy bitey things yes um and the the biting that bullbreeds like to do is slightly different from the biting that the shepherds like to do um and so he kind of took a few of the games that he really liked and that he thought would work well with kind of your average pet dog people mm-hmm. um which were which are slap mill um so that's a, a a treadmill that the dog operates themselves so there's a we can, there's a massive backlash about using i have a carpet mill there you i go. have a carpet mill for dodge unfortunately because of his hips it's not the suit most suitable yeah. exercise for him but I do not have a problem with slap mills or carpet mills. It's exercise for the dog. Yeah. And and so many dogs absolutely love it. And you can mm. you would train it in the same way you would desensitize them to any piece of equipment. Um nobody bats an eyelid at seeing water treadmills and stuff. And lots of dogs don't particularly enjoy the hydro stuff at the beginning, but then they get over it. And this is the thing, isn't it? Because you know, me posting a video of Dodge on on hydro treadmill with his face fence on, having lovely time splashing around. Mm-hmm. Loads of positivity. I wonder if the the carpet mill had have worked for us and I had posted more videos of him on a carpet mill, would I have got that backlash? And I think potentially yes. Oh, yeah, for sure you would. I've had friends comment on my posts when I've posted things of slap mills being like, I hate this, this is terrible, this is abusive, um, without actually coming back with any kind of... so. From my point of view, the purpose of having a mill, and I'm still, you know, I would love to have a treadmill for him at home, but obviously mm-hmm. actual powered treadmills are a lot of pennies and we need to keep saving up our pocket money for those. But I would love to have one of those because do you know what that would be? Another day of the week where he could be exercised fully without having to leave the house and be stressed out by the world. Mm. That's my use of a treadmill. For a dog that has big emotions and can't cope with the world every day, this is a perfect way of exercising him. But but there is this real stigma. As soon as you put a bull breed on a mill, 
Yeah. Or training fighting. Yeah. And, and that's the problem with most of the sport of GRC is that people don't, that people associate it with fighting dogs. Because obviously and, there was a base yeah. back, back yeah. in the origins. But we kind of explain it, it's, it's almost like CrossFit for dogs, really, for the dogs that want to really dig in and grind and work through stuff. And it builds resilience, it builds relationship, like relationship is in the title. So the gameness is there to kind of, that is representing the gameness, wanting to do things even mm-hmm. though you're tired. Like weight pull is all about that resistance training, which is fantastic for dogs. Yeah. Um, canine resistance training is is a fantastic physio thing anyway. Yep. It just it's the optic of seeing dogs dragging chains that people don't like. So drag work. So a lot of people are put off by the drag work that you because they're like, I wouldn't want to go for a walk with my dog doing that because of what people are going to think um and it's really sad so there's so weight pull is one of the things slap mill is another of the things um spring pole where they jump up grab hold of the toy hold on um and wall climb where they scale up a wall to grab the toy and then they get caught at the bottom um and those are the four drive sports to be able to compete in the drive sports they have to have done a social responsibility test so there are three levels of social responsibility test um, and you can compete in drives. You can just do the SR tests if you want to, but you have to pass level one to be able to compete in the drive sports. So the idea is that it gets people that want to do all the cool flashy stuff. The sexy stuff that looks the cool. The sexy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Having a level of social responsibility and control of their dog. Mm-hmm. So the social responsibility test, they have to do things like... Um, there's a loose lead walking section where they have to be able to loose lead walk around these cones. They have to be able to um, loose lead walk and the owner has to be able to greet three people. Wow. Um, dog standing next to them, doing nothing. Oh, being George, that's it. We can't do it. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, <there's laughs> that's a, it. We're out. <laughs> there's a section where um, there's the obedience section where you have to do a middle, a front and a down downstay mm-hmm. you have to be able to go and put your dog in a downstay and go and greet a person and another dog wow in the downstay um and there's a liberty section and and there's distractions that happen during the obedience section as well and there's a liberty section where the dog has to be at liberty has a long line on but making good decisions for okay. a couple of minutes um but- and yeah I don't see why there's why there's pushback to this because this just sounds like you're then for anyone breeding dogs that's going to want to be involved in this sport you're going to have to bring temperament into this because if the dog's got a shit temperament they're not going to be able to do the sport. Well, m- most if 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 you train hard enough at those at those so this it's also really good for people to be able to use obedience to get their dogs through real life. Yeah. Um, through kind of pattern obedience. Yes. So if you can do a, if you can do a middle, you can get your dog into that what they call a tactical heel, where the dog is in the middle and they, you have control of them while mm. you're walking. Yeah. If you can do a downstay while you go and greet another dog, that's really helpful for things like desensitization and um everything. Uh, to be able to ask your dog to do a down in the presence of distractions, to be able to do, um, to be able to greet three people. There is a muzzle allowance for the 
the um so so you can still pass your sr1 mm -hmm. muzzle on but you're not allowed to compete still okay so you can you can get a muzzled sr1 so that's like you've done it you've done it well but you still you still have to be able to pass without a muzzle on your dog to yeah. be able to compete doesn't mean you can't practice the sports so you can still go to training and do the sports yeah but to be able to compete and earn titles you have to pass the sr because yeah obviously because especially with the wall climb and the spring pole the dog needs to be able to use their teeth they need to be able to use their teeth so they can't have muzzle on for that yeah um but also they have I've to just got images of like a poor little ball breed with a face fence on running up the wall and then not being able to get oh, that would be right? sad. I just think that would be really sad it would be sad but the idea as well is that there are going to be strangers there will be judges there so they have to be okay with like a judge being able to put their lead on on the weight pull or something yeah. um, or standing next to the spring pole without the worry that the dog's going to come off it and go for the person can we just explain the spring pole a little bit more because this is a yeah. bit i'm kind of not familiar because the wall they like kind of run up and there's a toy yeah. and they grab the toy and then they're literally lowered down to the person aren't they people like freak out about it but there is safety involved in this yeah um, so you can either have a billet which is like a thing that catches them on the harness but the human catches the dog at the bottom yeah but they yeah they do they come i mean i'm assuming if you've got one of them chunky bull breeds like catching at the bottom's like yeah, it depends on but yeah. Depends on the height that they that they're running up to as to whether you feel that the safety stuff is required. But yeah, mostly of course. Big... And then the weight pull, like I think that weight pull is potentially such a good outlet for so many different dogs, not just ball breed. I think terriers could yeah. in fact I I know a pastel that does did weight pull. Um yeah. You know, it's, and again, that's one of those sports that's kind of got this real stigma around it. And I think it's such a shame because it's it's just weight training. Like, it's just another way of conditioning your dog. And if you're going to all that time and effort of training your dog to be able to do these skills, to me, you're a wicked owner because you're putting that time and effort into doing something as a team with your dog. I think that we particularly the positive side of us we don't like to see dogs struggle I think we are so quick to jump in and help dogs when like through the slightest bit of stress or struggle um and I think that's why a lot of people don't like weight pull is because you're watching a dog struggle because they're it's a it's not it's a bad really struggle because I've never looked at it from that lens it's really I, interesting I've never looked at it, it that way. Yeah. We don't like to see dogs. So, and that's, I think, why we don't put our, like, we don't, not saying put our dogs through things, but we don't allow them to go out of their comfort zone because we don't like to watch them struggle or, or go mm. through any stress. That's mm. why people don't like the slap mill. It's because sometimes dogs can look a little bit stressed. I look stressed when I'm running. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Amen to that. Why do you think I do hoopers? I don't have to run. <laughs> but that's, so I think it's, an, it makes, positive people feel uncomfortable watching dogs struggle but there is such a, a beauty in the grind of something and it's the relationship that gets them through them a dog mm -hmm. that's genuinely struggling and doesn't want to wait pull won't wait pull they're not going to pull that way if they don't want to but if you're at the other end and you're like oh my goodness you're so wonderful come on like come to me you can do it and you're their team like you're their cheerleader yeah 
that's what gets them through it. So they're yeah. doing, you're building that relationship. Honestly, watching GRC makes me cry. <laughs> Talking about GRC makes me want to cry. Like it's such a beautiful sport when you're watching it. The spring pole is for the dogs that love to just bite and hold on to stuff. Um, <laughs> Which full breeds of breads do that, people were just going to say that. They like biting yeah. and holding stuff. It's a thing. But to compete and, well, to do well, they have to be able to let go when they're told to. They have to be able to do a down, call recall away to a front, and then send them back to it. That's a lot of impulse control. Yeah, so that's where the control comes in. So it's fair, like anybody can let a dog just go up and hang off a spring pole. Like anybody can do that if you have a dog that wants to do that. But mm-hmm. to be able to have a dog that wants to hold on to a spring pole for five minutes, to be able to get them to let go, exercise that level of control, come back to you away from it, not knowing if they're going to be allowed to go back, mm-hmm. but coming away anyway and going back on it and outing again. Because like that's mega. But also that spring pole for some dogs is going to be like ultimate treasure. It's going to be so reinforcing. It's life-saving for some dogs. I posted recently about, um, there's a dog called Copper, who I'm madly in love with, who is at the rescue that I am the behaviourist for in Hull. I travel all over the place. And so but, you do um, get around a bit, don't you, babe? <laughs> I do get around. Um, <laughs> but this one in Hull, I, I love I love the rescue owner. And, um, well, it's actually, a, it's a boarding kennel for lots of different rescues. So I go in and I assess and stuff for the rescue. But this dog, Copper, um he when he first came in he was hanging off trees like he would hang off trees and scream about it and then he would redirect onto people because people didn't want him hanging off the trees then he would start racking on clothes ragging on the lead to the point where it was it was dangerous to get him out because he was so highly aroused um by life mm-hmm. um that he would rag on your clothes but if he did if he got to your arm I don't know if he'd have stopped um he was he's intense so, so he, his fight inhibition was non-existent yeah he was just so wired and it's he was just like it was like he was just going to help me like help he was desperate for something that makes my want... heart hurt because I know that <laughs> state of that much aroused yeah. frustration and just yeah he basically then wasn't allowed out of his kennel for ages because he was just so unsafe to get out so they were the kennel lady has worked so hard on muzzle training him so now he can come out and he goes for lovely walks and the first time we took him off site he it was honestly it was i know i'm sidetracking it but it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen he was like walking through puddles like experiencing all the feelings and he'd like brush up against bushes it was like he was just melting into this experience of being outside again, oh. and this like the the senses and the tactiles. Honestly, it was it was beautiful. So anyway, with him, because he clearly has this in him, he wants to bite and hold stuff, but there's nothing appropriate for him to bite and hold when we get him out of the kennel. So I rigged up a little makeshift spring pole in his back run. So that he could safely be, because they've got a hatch system. So mm-hmm. we put him in his kennel. I rigged up this um, spring pole, and then we were able to get out. And then we let him out. 
he looked at it and he went like his eyes were like saucers and he just jumped up held onto it and he was crying <laughs> like he was just going like like you know the staffy scream <laughs> the, the, the Staffordshire squeal I was going to do it but I'll save your listeners ears but he was just like crying and like it, it was he was oh, so sorry, you just got me because I missed that noise <laughs> I know well you can I'll send you the video you can watch the video it's on my it's on my Facebook I'll mm. tag you in it but his tail was going he was doing this crying in his little t-rex arms where he's holding on and I was like that is that is life-saving for that dog so he now can they they put it up for him for about an hour a day and he'll kind of come and go from it um, and so it still remains valuable. He's not having access to it all the time because mm-hmm. then you make it bored of it. Um, and because he then has access to the thing that he wants to do, mm-hmm. we've been able to start teaching him an out. So we've been able to start teaching him the control, giving him access to the thing that he finds valuable, channeling his desire to bite stuff in an appropriate way, and then putting the controls in place so that he's allowed to have the thing that he finds valuable but there's a level of control around it so he's not dangerous with it and that's just oh you got me right in the feels with that (laughs) one you becca like so that's like that is why when i first heard about grc i was just like this is this is what i need to do yeah i need to do this and the equipment is expensive (laughs) it's a it's a bugger to find somewhere that will let you do it but I'm I'm on my way I've I've taken the theory side of my judgeship yay yeah I haven't I haven't found out if I've passed or not yet so oh my god honestly you'll love being a judgy bitch it's like my favorite thing to do I love it it's the best (laughs) but because you just get to watch like the people dog team doing the thing together as a team and like I just love it. Yeah. So do you have to have a bull breed to do this or can no. like any breed do this? Any breed can do it. Any okay. breed can do it. When I went to the workshop, there were boxers, shepherds. Um, what else was there? It was a spaniel. Like there, there's lots of, lots of breeds can do it. I would say that the, the shepherds would like to bite it and then they go, oh, I'm so tired after about 10 seconds. So no, because it's just for show the whole biting. They're like, oh, oh no, that was that was really hard. Okay, I did my biting and I'm done now because I just bit it and then I let go. Whereas the bullbreed's like, no, dickhead, you bite and hold on. Yeah, (laughs) like that's not how you bring down the large animal by giving it a little peck on the nose. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, but you can't hurt sheep by biting and holding onto their bum. It yeah. makes sense. That, it does make sense. You know. So the, and the shepherds are a bit like, what, you want me to go all the way up there when it's the, um. When the, you say, um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the are a bit more, I was going to say, I'm assuming the Mallies are a bit more, let me get out the thing, grab the thing, so it'll be fun. Yeah, no, I've, there wasn't a Mally there to be fair, but I'm sure that they would be slightly I, different. I can imagine, I can imagine the mouse enjoying the game. I mean, I can imagine yeah. the Germans being like, yeah, we're going to do the thing, but it's quite a bit of effort, actually, isn't it? Can I not just police everyone and tell them what they're meant to be doing? Thanks. They shout about how excited they are, and then when they get to the thing, they're like, oh, that was really hard, Mum. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> um, and yeah, that's the owner. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, this sounds legit. I'm, I'm going with what you're saying. I don't feel you're lying about <laughs> But I, I can imagine, like, again, like, not just ball breeds, but a lot of terriers really, yeah, like getting the good. Can't imagine again though, it's dog dependent because actually one of the things Chica loves doing the most is the bite shake kill sequence when it comes to toys. I've put up videos of my Chihuahua eating a raw duck wing. Like ferocious, she like, right? She is like savaging it. My stuffies all of like crunch, 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 like enjoying it, and my chihuahua's just like they are, they are like the little ferocious things that are just ferocious, like. Yeah. Well, she is scary. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in her heyday, Chica would have maybe have got like a foot off the floor on the wall bit to like yeah. get up there. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I think I've got so many dogs like, now. doing weight poor and they're literally being like a five kilo weight on the thing. Like, there probably wouldn't even be a weight on because like they'd have to make a whole little trolley for them. They can barely make the slap mill move. <laughs> They don't have the but, weight to make the slap woman. But that's the thing, though. They do make teeny little for small breed yeah. dogs. So, yeah, they do. again, I would assume you're more likely to see a Jack Russell on it than a Papillon. But if your dog's up for it, then why not? Yeah. No, there are tiny dogs that do it. I now want to see a Yorkshire Terrier in, like, full show coat doing it because I just <laughs> see that. Bit. It would just look like a little cloud of flu. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it is it is for any breed. It's a really inclusive sport. Um, no pedigrees required. But I it's like the fact as well, though, that there is an element of, I'm going to say etiquette. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the dogs need to have a certain level of kind of etiquette and just being able to exist in the world yeah. to be able to do this. Like you have points taken off you if your dog looks slightly fearful of you. Um, so if there if there looks like there's any kind of level of fear or breakdown in the relationship, you get points deducted. If there's if your dog looks severely frightened of you, you you're disqualified. Like, so that would suggest that punitive methods of training would go against you. Um I think it depends. Dependent. But for me, if I was, you know, open to all the methods, which I'm not, but mm. if I was and I knew that my end goal was to do sync without being able to use any of those methods, I don't see why you'd use them because then you've just got to fade something else out. Surely you're better off just training it from scratch the way it needs to be at competition rather than adding loads of bullshit in that you've got to take away anyway. I think that's just my perception. Kind of, although on both sides you have to fade something out, like you'd have to yeah. fade rewards out. Um, I, I, yeah, you. I you guess yeah, because you need to fade the food, but then to me, the dogs being reinforced in the task they're doing, you know, like Hooper shouldn't be reinforcing, but Dodge will happily grab his toy and then continue running through hoops with a toy in his mouth. Well, that's so, ter- it's tertiary rewards, isn't it? Um. I, but the like the obedience section and stuff, it's not 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 every dog will find that completely rewarding. But mm-hmm. you've got to train it to a high standard. Yeah. Um, the liberty section is the hardest because you're not allowed to tell them what to do. Um, they literally just have to make good choices. Yeah. 
Oh. You can so you can reward good choices after they. You can't reward them. You can acknowledge good choices after they've happened, or verbally encourage them after oh, they've happened. Verbal praise after, okay. Yeah, but you can't do. And you can no cookie like, pushing. No cookie pushing, and you can use like personal play between sections. So once the scoring's off, you can have a good old game with them by yourself. Um, but it's whether you'd want to rile them up. So you'd have to play it carefully and buy your dog. If your dog yeah. has a really good on-off switch, then you'd be able to use that. But if they were, if you had a had a pat and a, and a bit of a rough house, and then they were like ah! <laughs> during the liberty section, that would probably not be ideal. Yeah, um, if you turn them into a purple minion, it's not going to help your life. <laughs> I mean, some of the distractions that have been used in uh, more in the level twos and threes are like people walking around with a pizza box leaving it on the floor um popping balloons um people doing like exercises like hardcore exercises in front of the dog like push-ups and stuff that if they are doing active distractions they have to be i think it's 10 feet away okay so they'll be within 10 feet doing those kind of things but, but that's um still pretty hard because it's really hard those dogs like if someone's doing push-ups like if anyone's ever tried to do any sort of keep fit or workout at home with your dog it doesn't end well because you end up with a tongue up your nostril at some yeah. point. Yeah. No, it's, it is really hard. It's not like, it's not an easy So test. you kind of need your dog to be quite neutral in that situation. Yeah. A lot of it is about teaching neutrality and really, really, really reinforcing calmness and good choices and liberty outside of the ring. Try this. <laughs> well I you can do the SR. I need to borrow a dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, you can do the SR um without having any kind of desire to compete in the other things just to do the obedience stuff. Like some people just like doing the obedience. Mm. Some people do the obedience to get to the drive sports. Um but yeah, it's so good for bully breeds and for lots of breeds, but particularly it is designed with bullies in mind. So um and they're the they're the breeds I have in mind when I'm doing it <laughs> amazing and um, obviously yeah. like we'll as I said we'll put a link in the show notes to your um podcast so people can listen to that episode mm-hmm. so I think because we've shared we've stopped on a nice little happy note so I'm gonna say let's stop there before <laughs> we go back to the doom and gloom that we started with um <laughs> no not never apologize having a conversation because I think the problem is with all of these tragedies that have happened recently, as you said, knee-jerk reactions happen and we want to fix it. And sometimes fixing it isn't just putting a plaster. We need to look at actually working out the whys and hows and the who's and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bethany, first of all, thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode. It's always a pleasure. Um, if people want to know more um, or want to train with your stuff, you have an app. I do have an app. Like that anyone um, can access. You go onto your little app store thing or app shop yeah. or whatever it is, Androidy thing, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you look for it and then you can download it and then it's there on your phone yeah. doing a thing. I have I have some like big changes coming to it soon because it's not quite where I want it to be. For anyone looking to build an app, just don't. <laughs> bloody hard work this this is the um, this is bethany's psa of the episode don't build an app just don't do it stick with your bog standard memberships i'm just a i'm a maverick glutton um, for punishment clearly um 
yeah so i i'd say it's it's got it's definitely some work to do with it um and it's hard work but i think that it's going to be incredibly valuable to people i just need to um yeah work hard to get people using it and mm-hmm. yeah build some momentum with yeah. it if you're listening and you have a ball breed or you know someone that has a ball breed, tell them about the app, get them to download it, get them to get involved because this yeah. is how we start making ripples and making changes. So I'm loving yeah. it. And how else do people find you? You can find me on social media, Body Dog Behaviour, or my personal page is Bethany Grace. And basically if you've got dog trainers in common with me, then I'll accept your request. <laughs> Not fussy. Um, I'm actually <laughs> please be careful saying that in public <laughs> and on Instagram I'm bull breed behaviorist um, and yeah I've got are you on the ticky tock oh I'm half-heartedly every now and then on TikTok but I, my heart is definitely not in it I'm not about the dancing I'll go through phases where I'm like oh I mean, to be fair, have you seen the dancing start line weight training I've been doing? Yeah, you've done some great dancing. Um, There are some moves. There are some classics. um, It's the the vibe of the year. The vibe of the year is start line weight dancing. Um, I'm I'm just scared that people are going to expect it at competitions now. But, you know, I like it. Um, I'm not sure when this is going out. April. April. Yeah, it should be April in the future. April in the future. Okay, I would have started. I've I'm I've created a mastermind for pet professionals, which is basically like a mini conference. Mm-hmm. Well, not a mini conference, like a mega conference. Actually, it goes on for six months. Um, and I've got some amazing mm-hmm. guests coming on there so that will have already started by the time this goes out but I will be planning my next phase so if people are interested and they want to come and see it they can check it out but I've got people like Dr Kendall Shepherd, mm. Michael Shikashio, Kim Brophy, um, Helen Howell, Jodie Forbes, Ellen Mottram and there are others I'm sorry if I've forgotten who you are um, you've, got some, you've got some rock stars in that list I've got some rock stars and it's um the 20 spaces and we do two sessions a month one is for case study support so it's for trainers who are already working mm-hmm. um, and want some support with their case studies and want to chat about through chat through stuff with other professionals um so we do one session of that a month and another session when we have a guest expert come in doing a presentation and a Q&A um alongside support in between and an in-person event as well so Amazing. it's pretty cool I'm really excited about it um and it will have it will have started um by the time this goes out but the next boo one hiss. will be <laughs> huh I said boo because boo I mean some <laughs> people might missed it but if you've missed it there will be more coming in the future there will be more hopefully more coming in the future if this one goes well then there'll be more coming in the future and I'll have a, a wait list for people that will want to join the next sessions like the next Amazing. bunch of months of mine so um yeah you can get on the wait list for that starting in probably September that sounds wicked that sounds really cool and yeah good good luck with that like that's brilliant so guys as always you can follow um canine hoopers world on the social media we are on tiktok uh we're also on facebook instagram um dodge takes over most of it I'm not gonna lie but hey he's pretty he's allowed 
um you can obviously look on our website all that good stuff and until next time guys stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads take care guys bye I just wanted to ask you a real quick favor. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it's going to help other people find me and listen to what I'm doing here at Canine Hoopers World. We're now on all the socials. So we have the Instagram, we have the Facebook, and we are officially on the TikTok at Canine Hoopers World. And remember to check out our website, www.caninehoopersworld.com, where you can find out information on in-person courses, online courses. And if you're doing hoopers with your dog, you can also join in with our online achievement awards. These are open to any person, any dog, anywhere in the world to come and test your skills and get yourself a cool ribbon. 